Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. The Danny Mac Show with BK is brought to you by Summers Wealth Management. Ground ball, and how about a little broken bat bingle to score two, seven, five. Pirates are back in it. Line drive, base hit in the left center field. This is going to tie the game. Wilmer Defoe, D-I-F-O. The Pirates have come storming back against the Cardinals. And he rips this in the left center field. Gregory Polanco is going to give the Bucks the lead. Stays in play. Here comes Defoe. He will score. What an inning and what a moment for El Cafe. And Sutsugo lines one to deep right center field. And clear the deck with a cannonball. Soup, soup, Sugio. Phil Collins on the call. No, that was uh, Greg Brown. Love Greg Brown, the voice of the Pirates. Speak and for yourself. Uh, that's BK. I'm Danny Mack. It was a uh, tough one. Couldn't they just win so I didn't have to hear that? Oh, boy. That's all I asked. We had some good highlights early on, too, which is part of the problem of what happened last night. It was all early on, and then they did not tack on. And last night, very representative of what this Cardinal season has been like. A brutal loss. Um, a bullpen inning that gets out of hand and the fact that you score early and often and then do not tack on. Uh, we're going to visit with Ryan Fagan coming up of the Sporting News. Lots to get into. We'll go around the major leagues coming up later in the show. Cardinals are now four and a half out after the uh, 11-7 loss last night. A game in which, and we're going to start with the seventh inning. So the seventh inning, the Pirates score eight runs without the Cardinals recording it out. That hasn't happened in baseball this year. Has not happened in baseball this year. Began with Andrew Miller, who had a one, two, three, sixth inning. Key Brian Hayes, part of a double switch in the seventh. So he's in the nine position. He leads off with a double to right center. Then after that, it's Gamble, top of the lineup. He walks. So now you have first and second. Nobody out. Cardinals are up. And then Henesis Cabrera comes in and allows six straight hits. Six. And with that, it was five pitches to the first four hitters. And they all were swinging. All swinging early on and all not missing. Single, 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 double, two-run homer. Mm. And that was the game. Mike Shield, have you seen a seventh inning like that? You know, I saw on the scoreboard, first time eight runs to score that an out being recorded. Um, so, yeah, I've not... I've not seen that. Um, it, you know, erased a lot of really, really, really good things that took place today. And there were good things early on. More on that in just a moment. However, was this their toughest loss of the year? They're all tough, but you don't know what you mean. They all, you know, some sting more than others. We've had a couple, you know, the one thing is, is we, you know, we're a, we're a team that's really actually, um, they sting worse, right, when you give up leads a little bit later. Um, this one stings. There's been a couple other ones that really sting. Um, the reality is one of the, we're one of the better teams in baseball being able to bring home games with the lead. Our bullpen's been our most consistent, by far, productive unit of our club. And, um, you know, they're not going to be perfect, and tonight was 
not Cabby's night, but man, he's been uh, he's been absolutely huge for us, as we all know, and um, it just didn't didn't happen for him. And it's just Cabrera. Last 17 games going into last night, a 1-6-2 ERA, 16 and two-thirds, three earned, seven hits in those 17 games. Walk six, 18 strikeouts, the opponents 127, the average against him. Now, normally you don't see a reliever kept in to face six. And the inning moved real fast on Mike Schild. And and I don't think it got away from him. I think he knew what he was doing because here's where I'm going, BK. My guess at that time was that Garcia was down. Okay? So Garcia is down, and this is where you really miss Justin Miller and Ryan Helsley. Mm-hmm. That would Especially have been a, Helsley. Yeah, that would have been a spot with inherited runners. Ryan Helsley is into the game. He's been one of the best in that regard in terms of inherited runners. So he's got an option there at that point. So if Garcia is down, do you bring in Giovanni Gallegos? Don't know if he was down. He's been pitching. I think he pitched in two in a row. You're saving Alex Reyes for the ninth. He's your closer. So at that point, do you go to either Junior Fernandez or Daniel Ponce de Leon? And he went with Genesis Cabrera. Another reason why you had Defoe, switch hitter, going to the other side. Then after that, you had back-to-back lefties. Polanco's been terrible against lefties this year. And then Sutsugo was what was going to be coming off their bench because of what they had with the backup catcher, another lefty. And it didn't work, and it looks ugly when it happens with six hits in a row. And all of a sudden, you look up, you're trailing that game, and knowing that Bednar is out there, Chris Stratton is out there, those two guys are tough in their bullpen, and that essentially was your ball game there in the seventh inning. So that, to me, those were the options that, that Mike Schilt was looking at. Do you go with maybe guy, and he's not going to say this, but guys you don't trust in Daniel Ponce de Leon and Junior Fernandez with the game on the line, or do you feel that your big lefty that you have ridden all all season long and is tough on lefties is going to get those guys out, and he just didn't do it? I mean, how many times have we mentioned the formula for this team is simple. You get your starter to go through five or six innings and you're able to go to the back end of the bullpen afterwards. Well, Dan, this is partially a result of the Cardinals not being able to do that lately. They had Jack Flaherty, who uh, it's no fault of his own, was not able to get very deep into a game. And you've had the last couple of days starters not be able to get deep. Yesterday in particular, you didn't have Miles Michaelis go deep into that game. And when that happens, there is a little bit of a snowball effect and you get into your bullpen earlier than you want to. You end up having guys not being able to be used two, three, four days in a row. And that's where I do have a little bit of sympathy for that spot that Mike Schultz in there. I get it. If you're somebody that's listening to this today and you're like, just get him the bleep out of there. I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch this guy continue to get hit around. I totally get it. But what are your other options in that spot? It's going to Daniel Ponce de Leon, who I like Daniel Ponce de Leon. I wanted this to work for him. I said before the season, I was hopeful that he would work out in the rotation. It didn't. He ended up having a very difficult year with injuries. He just hasn't been the same guy since then. So I kind of understand where Mike Schilt's coming from here. He's in a tough spot. And this goes back to what we've said multiple times over the last month or so. This is more about his options than it is about any individual decision that he's able to make in a specific game. So you may be asking, why not extend McFarland then for another inning? McFarland comes in. He's got a really good sinker. You bring him in in relief of Miles Michaelis with runners at first and third. 
that sinker gets ground balls, and it got one. He got out of the inning, 6-4-3 double play. So that was in the fifth, and then in the sixth, the pitcher spot comes up. That's McFarland. You have a lead at that point. Of course, you're going to pinch hit for him. They did that with Carpenter, and then you're hoping then after that your bullpen can bridge the gap to get you to the guys that you've been counting on. He did his job in that first inning. First inning he did. He struck out two, went one, two, three, and then it was the double and the walk, and then all heck broke loose, and that was the difference in the game. Tim Kirchin was on the morning show with Carriker and Smallman and was asked, is last night the reason the Cardinals missed the playoffs, if If they do? If it doesn't work out and they don't make the playoffs, they may point back to this game. They had won 284 straight games, which they had a six-run lead. And then last night they lost. And you just can't do that at the end of August when you're chasing down a couple of really hot teams, including the Reds, in your own division. And, you know, they're two games over 500. They've been outscored by 27 runs. They're 13 out of first. It's and four and a half out of that second wild card. That that's a tough road now. Got Hap going tonight. You're going to face a lefty on the other side for the Pirates. Uh, personally, as bad as it was in that seventh inning, and it was ugly. And by the way, a, a record this year with eight runs scoring, no outs recorded. I actually don't think it's the worst one. <laughs> and that's saying something. I was about to say that's a hell of a feat, Dan. I mean, that's when it's been tough on some nights at the ballpark. So I would go. I, I still think when you were up on the Cubs, when they Six still one. had their yeah, when they still had their guys, and you're at home, and it, and the place was really electric, and you lost that game, yep. that was the one that stung to me the most. Uh, there was a game against the Braves where they had that game should have won, and they started walking the ballpark. That was a bad one. Recently on the homestand with Milwaukee, that home run given up to Abisail Garcia with uh, I think it was two outs. Yep, that was tough. And this I, one I go was back right to the there first half, Dan. This one's right there with it. Philly, uh, it was the Adam Wainwright complete game one where he threw nine innings, six hits, two earned runs allowed, did not walk anybody in that game, and the Cardinals lost that one two to one. That was probably our moment when we all should have recognized, oh, this offense might be a problem for the Cardinals in 2021. And I think we did, but that was one that I immediately draw back to. And I'm like, man, I... I remember coming in the next day and being like, that was probably a game the Cardinals needed to win. And a game like last night kind of uh, shows the blemishes that this team has had. Been real close a lot of times and they come up short. Why does that happen? Maybe you're not as deep as you need to be in your bullpen. And I'll tell you another problem that I have is the offense again. And on the homestand, the Cardinals went 13 for 67 with runners in scoring Mm. position. That's a 194 average. They had four extra base hits in 67 plate appearances during the homestand and they struck out 15 times with runners in scoring position now fast forward to last night first three innings you're rolling they score seven runs on seven uh, on six hits after that inning the only base runners they had was a walk in the fifth erased on a double play sosa in the sixth was hit by a pitch left stranded They got a leadoff base hit by Tommy Edmond. That would be the next hit they would get for the remainder of the game. That's it. Stratton struck out the side in the eighth. And then in the ninth, it was Bednar, and he shut him down. They had one hit and did not get a guy at second base after the third inning. So while the glaring part of the game last night clearly is the seventh inning in which it blew up on you, your offense went uh, dormant. I mean, it was just done. 
And that's been a problem where, and, and by the way, Mitch Keller stayed in the game until the sixth, the starter. So you, the first three innings you got to him, he made an adjustment. You didn't. And that has been a problem with this team is that you got to pile on, man. You got to get in their bullpen and maybe that helps you the rest of the series and certainly helps you win that game. That is a problem. Mike Schilt talked about this after the game, not yesterday, but two days ago, Dan. So he did this after a win when the Cardinals won three to two against Detroit. I want to listen to this. Yeah. He talked about the offense and I think it's, I think it's an important distinction here, an important uh, moment for Mike Schilt for this team. We haven't created a lot of margin for error for ourselves. You know, we don't, we don't scratch enough runs consistently to feels like every night, man, we got to play almost ideally, you know, airtight. And we pretty much did today and, Pitch and defense were great. Lester was tremendous. That was two days ago when the Cardinals won a game three to two. It's the first time I've really heard anything like that from Mike Schilt after a game this yeah. year. And I think it was an important moment, Dan, because Mike Schilt was basically saying what we've all said all season long. The, the offense just hasn't given them any margin for error. And the easiest way to notice this is by looking at the run differential on the season. When you have an above 500 record, but a significantly below zero, so a negative run differential on this year, it shows you that you're winning close games and you're losing games by a lot. And that shows you that margin for error that we're talking about. And last night was just another moment where that came back to bite you in the butt. The game against the Phillies that I referenced, you lose two to one despite your starting pitcher giving you a complete game in which they gave up two earned runs. That's a game you should win. You go into the ninth inning of a game six to one and you just weren't able to tack on against the Cubs. It's a game you've got to win. And yes, it is in part because of the bullpen or in part because of specific decisions that are made. But more importantly, it's because your offense was not able to continue tacking on later on in the game. And that gets overlooked because of what happened in the seventh. Exactly. And that's something that this team has really struggled with all season long. So can you be critical of Mike Schilt today? Sure, you can. I I get that. Can you be critical of a pitcher who just didn't have it? Sure. Absolutely. This is baseball. I get that. But also don't forget, I know they scored seven runs, but the offense is part of this as well. So let's go back to that seventh inning. Mike Schilt on why Cabrera was left in, and uh, again, it was no outs, six hits, six runs, all earned for Cabrera. Yeah, he's left in because he's really good. I mean, you know, at some point, you know, look, if you got, if you took everybody out after a couple hits, you'd, you'd never have anybody pitch. Look, I get it. He got hit hard, and we got Ponce up. I mean, there was a lot of action in eight pitches. So, you know, the guy's been fantastic for us, and I mean, fantastic for us. I mean, let's, let's, What's erase that? I mean, I understand your question, Commish, but you know, we got him out, and clearly it wasn't his night. But he's been outstanding all year, and you know the fact of the matter also is we've had 12 innings out of our bullpen in the last two days, so you know we can't just be running guys out there. And so the numbers do back up what he was saying, as I mentioned with uh, Cabrera last 17 games, he's been awesome. The problem has been he has not been good against the Pittsburgh Pirates in his last two appearances. Now, this was not second guessing for me uh, during the game last night. This was first guessing. And the way that they were approaching Cabrera, BK, so you had four hitters swinging, five pitches, base hits. And I'm thinking, and I looked at his velocity. I went back and looked at the velocity. He's hitting 97, 98. Yep. So it wasn't a physical issue. And they were all different pitches. Sinker, four-seamer, went with a breaking ball. Um, so I was wondering, is he tipping pitches because of what Pittsburgh was able to do last night? Three of their hits were pitches out of the zone. They got a hit on every single pitch. 
and this guy's got filthy stuff. So, you know, still give him credit, man. Uh, I don't know if they got anything or not. Clearly, we'll look at it. We're always on top of it. You know, the human factor of this thing is real, and guys, you know, may fall into something. So it could be that it was just an off night. That happens. However, game on Saturday was against Pittsburgh, okay? Cabrera came in that game and coughed it up. Last night against Pittsburgh, coughed it up. So his last two appearances, he has one inning, nine runs, all earned, 10 hits, a home run allowed, a walk, a strikeout, 13 batters faced, seven batters, 21 pitches. I mean, they're, they're aggressive early in counts, and that does make you think for the guy that's had the kind of success that he's had, there was a tell of some sort, more than likely, that they were able to pick up. Maybe not. Could be just one of those things where they got to him on Saturday and again last night, but... Uh, the track record would say, you know what, this guy's been really good against everybody, and they probably had something against him, and the way that they were so aggressive early in counts against Genesis Cabrera. Yeah, and this is part of the downside of playing so, a team so many times within a limited portion of your schedule as well. You've seen the Pirates a lot over the last couple of weeks. Last night was their seventh game against them since August 10th, so in the last 16 days. It's a lot of time to be able to read, especially against an opponent like the Cardinals, where they throw a lot of the same guys on any given night in the back end of their bullpen. Yeah, if they get a tell on you, it can be a nightmare scenario for a pitcher. And it seems like based on last night, it's exactly what took place. All right. We're going to visit with Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News, the senior baseball writer of the uh, Sporting News. He's coming up on the show. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with BK. Broadcasting live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Bring in uh, Ryan Fagan, the senior baseball writer based here in St. Louis from the Sporting News. Saw Ryan at the ballpark the other day. Great to see him. We were all masked up and saying hello. And now I get to say hello on the radio. Hello, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, did you watch the Cardinal game last night? I, I was not watching when it happened. I was watching the early parts of the game and then yeah, you know, if you're watching the early parts, you thought the game was over. So that I get that. You got a good vibe for yeah. how it yeah. finished, too. It's fine. Yeah. That was a rough one yeah, last it was, night. It, it was. You know, I went back and kind of watched some of the highlights after I saw what happened or, you know, depending on where you're you're sitting, the lowlights. But, yeah, that was a, that was a game that is – it's going to be um, – I mean, you know, look, look, baseball players and managers will always tell you it, it's about the next game. You put the game that just happened behind you, whether you win or lose – and you try to win the next day, right? That's the goal. That's what they tell you. We'll see how that works. That's easier said than done sometimes. But, you know, this is a game that um, is is going to be a challenge to get over because of so many reasons. Because, I mean, when you look at the Reds playing the way that they have and, and all these other teams playing so well and to lose a game like that to the Pirates when you have a six-run lead, is yeah, it's, it's tough. It really is. I know you've watched the the Cardinals a bunch. You've been down at the ballpark. Whether you're you're covering the Cardinal side of things or certainly getting the the viewpoint of uh, opposing players for stories. So I know you've seen the Cardinals a lot. And as I mentioned, based here in St. Louis, 
Um, where where would you address this team in terms of their needs, their priorities going into this offseason? What what do you think you would do if you had, let's say, 60, 70 million coming off the books, which they do? How would you prioritize some of that money? Well, I think you need another bat. You need another, uh, not even necessarily a thumper, but just someone who's going to be a consistent doubles guy, a home run guy occasionally. Just somebody else in that lineup, ideally, it's a left-handed bat to complement um, in there with, with Goldschmidt and Arenado in the, in the middle of that lineup. You need that. You, you you have to go into next season with more depth in the rotation. You know, I mean, I think you just can't count on, you know, if you go into a, a spring training and say, okay, these are our five starters, you can't count on those five starters being there every day. You know, I mean, there was a stretch in the, what was in the early 90s where the Cardinals had seasons where they would go and use six or seven starters, right? That, that rarely happens anymore. You just, you have to have that depth. And I think that was one of the things that, that hurt them this year, you know, and if you look back at it, you know, they're four, what, four and a half, five games out of the wild card right now. And if they had a little more rotation depth, maybe you get two or three of those games back that you wound up using an emergency starter or something like that. And all of a sudden it's a different scenario going into the last, 30-plus games of the year, but I think those are two areas that they certainly need to look at. Ryan, a lot of the time that we've spent talking about the offseason, we kind of focus on the shortstop market. For good reason, there's a lot of very good shortstops that are available going into this offseason, but I'm still kind of dubious that this team is going to spend the eight, nine, ten-year term that it would take to get some of those guys. If they're not willing to go to that degree, if if they don't want to spend at that level, is there other markets maybe that you think they should be willing to play in that are kind of that fifteen twenty million dollar uh, player but might not take the ten year term? Well, I'm curious to see how it, how it plays out because there you know there are a couple of those shorts out there who are going to be on the market that no longer are you know guys like Francisco Lindor. There are teams that are going to be hesitant to spend and the Cardinals might be in that scenario, but you know it's kind of like last year when the the market was so slow to develop. It, there was an opportunity for teams that wanted to be aggressive to be aggressive, right? You don't know what the CBA is going to look like. You don't know what all these things are, but it's not like they're going into the off season wondering if there's going to be any money, right? The Cardinals are going to make money. The other teams are going to make money. Baseball is going to make money. The question is, how is it going to be divvied up? And that's a big question. Sure. But I think there's an opportunity to, you know, get a couple of these players. And I'm very curious to see how the shortstop market pans out. You know, you could even see a guy like Trevor Story coming off uh, a season that, you know, is not his best. Maybe he wants to sign a shorter term deal if he doesn't see that seven, eight, nine year deal out there like he had expected at the beginning of the season. Maybe he signs a shorter deal, reestablishes value. You know, I think that, you know, there are going to be opportunities. You know, Carlos Correa is going to get a long deal that's going to be for a lot of money, but I'm not sure everyone is. So I think there are opportunities out there that are certainly going to allow the Cardinals to upgrade at the shortstop position over what Paul DeYoung has been the last three years, not what he could be, but what he has been the last three years, which is not a very consistent um, force in the lineup um, you know, as, as a hitter. I think it's imperative that baseball and Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News is our guest that they they get their their house in order before the CBA expires in December for uh, so many reasons. Number one, you have to play. You have to get on the field coming uh, through the COVID situation of last year. You look at ballparks across Major League Baseball uh, attendance. You see a lot of empty seats. We've seen that here at Bush Stadium. 
But these are when uh, the, these times are when teams figure out marketing, ticket plans, trying to get the fan bases engaged. The the hot stove market is something that's fun for for fans. Is you might get that Arenado and you want to go get them and you get your season tickets, whatever the case may be. Um, I think it's imperative by December 1st, they, they either extend this thing by a year or come up with a five-year extension. But I think, Ryan, it is really, really important that this thing is not being just drugged through the mud of December and January and all of a sudden February is there and you're a week into spring training and then you get it figured out. I think I think it's very important to get it done before then. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's very important. I also don't think it's going to happen. To be completely honest with you, not by December 1st. You know, I think that both sides are pretty dug in. You know, we saw last year when they were just trying to figure out how to get a season done during COVID. And there were issues that bogged down the negotiations that had very little to do with the actual pandemic that was happening in the world. And, you know, you hope that they learn those lessons. I mean, baseball looked awful last year, bickering about some of the things they were bickering about while people were you know, being getting sick and dying of this disease that nobody really knew exactly what it was back in 2020. So I think that hopefully they learn that lesson. I really hope they do. But I think there's a lot at stake. The players are very upset, you know, with the way that the last deal kind of treated them. You know, the owners have kind of established what they want, and they're not willing to give ground without getting something back in return. So, you know, I, I do hope they do. I think it's important for all of these other reasons that you mentioned, it's very important. I just, you know, I, I'm not optimistic that there's going to be something done by December 1st. I'm more optimistic that there's not going to be a stoppage, but I, I do think it still is something that winds up being talked about a lot during the offseason. Ryan, we're talking a lot about the offseason. I do want to kind of focus us back here for a second on this season that's still in front of us. How do you shake out this NL wild card situation right now? It seems like nobody actually wants to win the second wild card, but how would you stack up the teams that are currently in contention for it? You know, I know that the Reds are only a couple of games ahead of the Padres right now for that second spot, but it feels like they're light years ahead. You know, I mean, it feels like the Reds about have this thing locked up. Padres are just in free fall mode right now, and the Cardinals are losing six run leads, you know, in Pittsburgh. And that's not exactly the way you get you get to it. And, you know, I think the thing that, that's fascinating to me is, yes, the Cardinals need to play better, but they're in a position now where they need help, right? I think you look at, you know, and this is something I tweeted about this morning, and it fascinates me. The Braves, since the beginning of August, are like 16-5, and five, and they went from four games back in the division to five and a half games up. But they did that because the Phillies and Mets fell apart. Whereas you look at the Dodgers, the Dodgers since the beginning of August, are 18 and four. And you know how much um, ground they've gained in the West? They've gained a half game because the Giants are 18 and five in that same stretch, right? So even though they're playing better ball than the Braves, they've gained nothing, whereas the Braves have gone from almost an afterthought to control of that division. And the Cardinals are in the position right now, being where they are a couple of games over 500, you know, a handful of games behind the Reds, that not only did they need to play well, but they need Cincinnati to hit a rough stretch, right? And the way that the Reds have been playing, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Although, you know, there's still a lot of time left. Injuries can happen. But, yeah, they're in a position now where they need help in addition to playing better than they have played since the beginning of the year. 
I'm really fascinated with Milwaukee, and they were just in town, and, and the Cardinals still have 10 games with them. And I, I guess we'll get a, a better look at the Dodgers when they come in with four against St. Louis. But, man, I, I just look at that pitching of Milwaukee, and I, I say, how are you going to beat that with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, what they have in the back end, the emergence of some of the guys they've had in their bullpen to get to uh, the back end in the eighth and the ninth with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. I love what they've done with Escobar. That's a good pickup. Rowdy Telez has been good. Obviously, Willie Adamas, and you had a great piece on him on the Sporting News. Um, that's been maybe the MVP of the of the, of the league, which is crazy to say. But, man, they're going to be tough to beat. I don't know. I, I think they could do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can completely imagine the scenario where we get to October and everyone's talking about the Dodgers trying to repeat. Everyone's talking about the Yankees trying to get that World Series wing. Everyone's talking about the Astros trying to win clean, you know, and all these other scenarios. And then all of a sudden we wind up with the Brewers holding a two games to one lead in the World Series and everyone's saying, how in the world did this happen? But it's easy to see how that could happen because you're right. They're very good. They have three very good starting pitchers, you know, and they have good options at number four and five, and those don't come into play as much in the postseason. They have four or five good, really good arms in the bullpen led by Hader and, you know, St. Louis kid Devin Williams, guys that just throw nasty pitches that sometimes are just unhittable if they stay within the strike zone. And they've got a lineup that's better than people give it credit for, that they have switch hitters. They have guys who can hit home runs, but they have guys, they hit a lot of line drives, make a lot of solid contact. And, yeah, this is a Brewers team that I think is flying under the radar, which is crazy because they have the best record in the NL in the last two and a half months or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's, it's a team that, um, that nobody's really paying attention to, but they're, they're really good and they're built to win in October. And I think that's the thing that, the thing that people are missing the most. Hey, Ryan, final question that I've got for you. I wanted to ask you about Adam Wainwright because the season that he's putting together at this point is just remarkable, regardless of his age, but in in part because of his age. He's now third in the National League in innings pitched, and he very well could end up being second after he starts this weekend, pulling back ahead of Walker Bueller. He's like top 15 in almost every statistical category when it comes to runs allowed, ERA, uh, wins above replacement. Do you think he's going to get any consideration from writers for the NL Cy Young this year? I know it's tough because his ERA is not up there with the Walker Bueller, for example, but is he going to be a guy that gets some votes? Yeah, I think he could be, you know, I mean, and, you know, and in all transparency, I haven't a National League Cy Young vote this year and I I haven't, you know, you kind of run, do preliminary run throughs and, and you look at guys who are on the radar in that conversation and he's in that conversation, right? I think if the Cy Young ballot was 10 people, like the MVP ballot was, he would absolutely be named on every ballot. You know, to get into that top five is tougher because there are really good pitchers in the National League this year. I think if he was putting up these numbers in the AL, yeah, he'd absolutely be in that conversation, maybe more so the, than even in the NL. But, yeah, what he's doing is just great. And, you know, Fangraphs had uh, an article. I'm not sure when it posted. I just wrote it this morning about what he's doing and how he's doing it. And it was a phenomenal piece. I, you know, everybody really should go out and read that. Just kind of looking at the way he's approaching every batter, every batter, every pitch, what he does well, why guys aren't squaring up against him the way that maybe they are against other pitchers who might have that same kind of repertoire, which is, you know, a, a fastball that's not 95 
anymore. So, yeah, that's something that, you know, what he's done really has been incredible. You know, now that the Cardinals have signed Molina for next year, you know fans are clamoring for them to bring Wayne right back for another year uh, because what he's doing, I mean, you look at what he's done this year, and then you look at the Cardinals' chances of competing in 2022, and you don't see how it happens without him back in that mix. And, and, you know, I think it would be good for them to go ahead and get that locked up as soon as they can. I was just going to ask you, and this is my final question, is about Yachty. What do you think that final year is going to be like? Will we ever see a guy play 19 years behind the plate with one team? I don't think so. But uh, what do you think that final year is going to be like? Yeah, not as a catcher. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. You know, I I think, you know, I hope that, you know, it's not going to be quite the same farewell tour as a guy like Derek Jeter or Mariano Rivera got. Um, because not because he deserves it any less, but it just doesn't seem to happen the way for the Yankees. But I think you're going to see a lot of places where Molina was booed heavily, heartily over the past ten years. You're going to see some. You're going to see some cheers. You're going to see some standing ovations because you know I think he's the kind of guy that opposing fan bases love to hate, but they respect him. You know they respect what he does, and when it when it comes to a, a chance to say we appreciate you I think that a lot of those fan bases are going to give him that instead of you know they may give him a, a, an ovation at the beginning of the series and then boo him the rest of the series I can see that happening but I think people understand what he is and the type of player that he has been hey buddy thanks for hopping on as always what are you working on right now with the sporting news I've got a pretty cool piece actually that's going to go live on sportingnews.com in the next really in the next 15-20 minutes hopefully um, you know I talked to Ron Washington when the Braves were in St. Louis, about his fungo routine, right? He's out there before every single game working with the fungo bat, working with his infielders, and it's just kind of about what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, and not just, you know, in terms of working on the fundamentals of defense, but also kind of what he means to them as, I don't want to say a mentor, but kind of as a mentor. You know, they talk about you know, the drills, and they talk about fielding, and they talk about life. And it's that, that half an hour, 40 minutes that he spends with each of his infielders before each game and what that means to him and what also what it means to the players. There's some video embeds in there, and that's going live. I'm pretty excited about that one. Are you, uh, did you get into uh, the 2011 World Series by any chance? I, I did not. Okay. I did not. I was, I was hoping to, trying to keep everything about what's happening in front of the dugout now. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted hey, to talk about that. Plus. He probably would have, though. He's a great guy. He is. He's awesome. Hey, thanks, Ryan, for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Thanks. You got it. That's Ryan Fagan of the uh, Sporting News. Always good stuff with him. And uh, he always has a really unique look at the game, which I find fun. Something that you're probably not thinking of. Yeah, he recently had an article about the Detroit Tigers, actually, of what, how they've got back into the mix, how they have gotten themselves pretty close to 500 at this point. And, Stan, that's an interesting team moving forward. They've completely overhauled the um, the culture within that clubhouse. A.J. Hinch has been a huge part of that. They've added, as we saw recently, a lot of talent to the club. A guy like Jonathan Scope, I think, is really symbolic of what's going on in Detroit right now because he easily could have gone to the market, and a team like the Cardinals very well may have been interested in him this offseason. Instead, he decided to take a two-year deal, about $15 million with the Tigers to see this thing through. Uh, they're going to be an interesting team moving forward as a result of what they've done this year. Around the major leagues we go, coming up next. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK. Broadcasting live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. 
Around Major League Baseball we go. Tampa Bay, four-game lead over the Yankees. White Sox in control in the Central. Nine-game lead. Houston, five-and-a-half over Oakland. We don't talk about Houston enough. They could be dangerous, man, come playoff time. A lot of experience there. Yep, they just got him back, so watch out. Atlanta has opened up now a six-game lead over the Phillies with the Mets. They've been awful. Two and eight in their last ten. They're eight out. They lost again to the Giants last night. Milwaukee with the eight and a half game lead. If you're wondering, Cardinals are 13 out. And uh, the Giants with a two and a half game lead over the Dodgers. So it's amazing. I mean, the Dodgers win, win, win. And by the way, so did the Giants. They're really good, man. Dodgers really are good. nine and one in their last 10 games. And despite that, they're barely gaining ground in the West uh, division. The Giants are eight and two in their last 10. The Giants just keep winning despite the fact that Buster Posey is once again in and out of the lineup. It's it's amazing, Dan. They added so much depth in the offseason. And I've mentioned this a million times. I will continue doing so until the offseason. That's the formula for the Cardinals. If they're not willing to spend big in the offseason is to do what the Giants did. It ain't easy, but that's what it's going to take for them to be able to get back to into contention. Interchangeable parts with that team. Mm -hmm. So the Giants, uh, by the way, Donovan Solano tests positive for COVID-19. Buster Posey, as you mentioned, he sits again. Mookie Betts, they're getting healthier with the Dodgers. Returned to their lineup, had a sore hip. He went hitless in their ballgame. The Phillies, Reese Hoskins done for the year. Abdominal tear. It's a big loss. That's huge. Plus, they had to scratch their starter last night. I believe it was Eflin who was coming off the uh, injured list. And right before he's supposed to make that start, he uh, got scratched again. Red Sox ace Chris Sale joined Sandy Koufax. Only pitchers on record with three immaculate innings. Swung on and missed. He strikes him out. Gordon down. 95 to strike him out. Back-to-back K's here in the third inning for Sale. And he got him. An immaculate inning for Chris Sale. Nine pitches, strikeouts, up and down. See you later. And the third time he's done that, and we say on record because it wasn't kept until I think it was the early 60s is when you started having the records for an immaculate inning. Uh, White Sox lefty. Carlos Rodon gets a winner return from the IL. White Sox beat uh, the Blue Jays 10-7. And the Yankees had a six-run lead to the A's out on the West Coast, and they blew it. But, but, they wind up pulling it out. That one is looped into right field. It's a base hit. Wade will score. Aaron Judge with a bloop single and drive in the seventh run and give the Yankees a one-run lead. And they'd win the ball Wait, game. So win the ball game seven to six. You can blow a lead and then gain the lead back? That's what they did. Holy cow. Really? They you have, can do that? You can add on runs late? And that's what they did. Oh my god, this is a remarkable thing to learn in mid-August. I'm impressed. The winning streak now at 12 for the Yankees. Longest winning streak for them since 1961. I do find that surprising. Yeah. With all the great teams they've had. Especially in the 90s. Late 90s when they were dominating. I don't know, man. I I just find that kind of uh, interesting. I know it's hard to win 12 in a row. It's very, very difficult to do that. I don't care how good, bad you are in baseball. It's hard to do that. But... Um, last time they did that was 1961. Now let's talk about the Central. Let's talk about the wild card in the National League. We've got the Reds and the Brewers. India rocket to right. Wow. Home run 
Jonathan India gets that bullpen up. And his 17th homer of the season has the Reds ahead four to nothing. They would win it five to one over Milwaukee. I think India's got the inside track, by the way, for rookie of the year. He's been awesome. And we saw this early on in the season, Dan, when he was playing here in St. Louis. It seemed like he all he would do against the Cardinals was hit. He's going to be a hell of a player. He, well, he already on, is a tremendous player. Gets on base a ton, even when he's not hitting. He's walking, hit by pitch, whatever. Plays pretty good defense at second base. And this is a guy that was a high draft choice and then really earned his spot in spring training this year. They did not have him in the plans mm-hmm. to make their team. And then he just burst on the scene in, in spring training. And they said, well, we can't, can't stop it now. I mean, this guy has shown that he could be a factor for us. It's always a question with a young kid, too, coming out of spring. Can he stick once the league figures it out? And he's made adjustments back. He, he got into a little bit of a lull, got up to a hot start, then a lull, but has made the adjustment and gets on base a ton. He's a good-looking player. He's a really good player. He's exactly the type of player that every team wants, especially at second base right now. He's going to finish this year with, like, 20 to 25 home runs. That's an amazing thing to get from a guy that's getting on base 38% of the time. Well, the Dodgers win, and the Padres, they just can't. That is driven to left center field, deep to the gap. It is gone! Burns with a two-run shot! So the final there, 4 nothing. You know, you can fire your pitching coach, you can fire any coach you want, and you still don't win. And bottom line, they can't pitch for you. And that's what they did with Larry Rothschild with, what, 35, 36 games to go at the Padres. They are reeling right now. They're two games out in the wild card, and they have dropped now to 68 and 61. They've lost four in a row um, and struggling away from their home ballpark, five under the 500 mark. And while they were beating going into this series, the Dodgers in the season series, they were seven and three going in. Now they can't beat them. I'm really curious to see what happens if this team misses the playoffs, Dan. Because A.J. Preller is completely unafraid. He will make the moves necessary to get back into contention. And a lot of this is just as simple as their pitching got hurt. They they had a lot of really good pitching, and then it got hurt, and now they don't. They've already fired their pitching coach. I like Jace Tingler. I think he's a pretty darn good manager. I don't think he's the reason that this team is struggling. But sometimes that's the kind of guy that ends up being the fall guy after the season if you don't make the playoffs when you have the expectations that the Padres did coming into this year. Tatis in a rut right now I I think he's like two for his last 28 or 30 something like that. I could be wrong but I think that's right and if he's not hitting you know and you look at he and Machado, Hosmer, Pham, all the different guys that we talk about then without substantial pitching they're just not going to win some of those games. Uh, Diamondbacks boy they played spoiler this entire second half. It's worth the trip. Ahmed sends one deep to left center field. Nick Ahmed, it's gone. Four nothing Diamondbacks. Number four for Nick. They beat the Phillies eight to seven. The Phillies now a game under 500. They've lost three in a row. They've dropped eight of their last 10. And last night started a stretch for them in which they play 27 of the next 30 against teams under 500. This was a team that I was looking forward to say, this could be a team that makes a run. But when Hoskins goes out for the year, they have to scratch their starter last night. They've, they've got some serious problems. And you how know, about this? Phillies 0-4 against the Diamondbacks this year. Ouch. Really? The NLE stinks, Stan. It's terrible. 
The Braves, I think, are a pretty good baseball team. Everybody else in that division is awful. And we spent all offseason talking about that was the division. That was going to be so tough. And I, no, nobody knows who's going to be able to come out of that thing because there are just four good teams. in that. Div- no, they're all terrible. If you look at it right now, Dan. I like Atlanta now. I like Atlanta. The Mets are three games up on the Rockies. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. The Rockies, who didn't try to win this year and gave away Nolan Arenado and added in $50 million for good measure, are three games behind the New York Mets, who went all in in the offseason and traded for one of the best players in the sport. No, by the way, at the deadline, traded for Javi Baez. It's an unbelievable thing. Baez hitting under 200 since he was acquired. By the way, did you see a swing and miss the other night? It's not what you're looking for, Dan. Missed it by about literally three feet. It was trending on Twitter, and I looked at it. I thought, oh, Javi Baez hit a home run. Then I put it on. I go, wow, he missed that thing by three feet. Yeah. After their owner came out and said, hey, we need guys that produce, slug, hit home runs, and get on base. And then you acquired Javi Baez. He's a not going to get I... on base a ton. He's going to strike out a bunch. I can't wait to see who pays him and what they give him it's a fascinating market with him Mm -hmm. now great defensive player yep probably gold glove at second short maybe even third hell he probably could play the outfield he's athletic enough Mm -hmm. and he's going to hit some bombs but man he's going to strike out a lot and he's not going to walk so what's the market for that i think a one-year deal I think he's the type of guy, he's 28 years old at this point. He'll be 29 next year. If you're a team that gives him a one-year, $18 million contract, similar to the qualifying offer, I think that's probably what he's going to be looking at. Maybe there's a team out there that's willing to go two or three years with him, but I I don't know who that team would be. Just takes one. Yeah. And uh, believe me, I'm fascinated with him because I think he's an awesome player. Can be awesome just a lot of strikeouts that you're going to get with Javi Baez, but you're going to get a lot of bombs too, and you're going to get really good defense and an exciting player. I don't know how this happened, but apparently Baez is my guy. I like Javi Baez as a one-year rental. I think he's an interesting piece. If the Cardinals strike out on the shortstop market and they decide, you know what? Really good defender, can play all over the diamond, as you mentioned, Dan, can kind of come in and add a little bit of pop to your lineup. I'm fine with that as a backup plan. Javi Baez is not my guy, though. Let's be clear here. If I could have one of the shortstops, I'm taking Corey Seager or Carlos Correa or Trevor Story all well ahead of Javi Baez. I think I would even take Marcus Simeon at this point over Javi Baez. He ain't taking a one-year deal unless everything falls through and he wants to reset his market. No. Who's giving him more than that, though? You'll find somebody. Okay. Just wait. Okay. It always happens. Somebody will do it. Well, takes one taking, owner, I'm not takes interested. one GM, takes one president of baseball operations. Say, that's my guy. He fits with us. He's perfect for our lineup. Love him at this ballpark. We have a need at shortstop. Dave Dombrowski might do that. Sure. Why not? Add a little star power to the lineup. I just turned around and got frightened as I saw Saxy. It frightened you. Well, I didn't know he walked in and he's just staring at us. He's coming in from 11 to 2. He's filling in for Alex. This is Alex's final day on vacation. He'll be back on Monday, but we've got a lot of Cardinals to talk about, as you can imagine, Dan, from 11 to 2. And we'll talk with Benji Molina uh, about his brother, Yadier Molina, signing a one-year contract to finish out his career here in St. Louis. I want to get Benji's perspective on that. Is this really the final year that we're going to see Yadier Molina in a Cardinals uniform? We'll ask Benji coming up at 1130. All right, good job, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to everybody on Monday. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.